Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Yes, that's me. If you'd like to reach me during the program or uh, in between shows, email me, please. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. That's uh, the email that I check, and I, I try really as best as I can to respond to each and every one of you, I get I get quite a few of you reaching out, and I, I, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. All right. Now, I have a lot more information for you today than I did yesterday. Now that it's become clearer what went down in federal court in Delaware vis-a-vis Hunter Biden, and it is not good for Joe Biden and for his political viability. For some time now, I have been musing about the idea, the thoughts surrounding what happens if Joe Biden's legal predicament becomes increasingly hairier. What occurs to him politically? What are the consequences to his, I mean, his 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 ability to sustain himself as a candidate for re-election in 2024? Because that's, the, that's, that's ultimately the real big league consequence that all of the scandal and criminal activity that is uh, being carefully, methodically proven by the Republicans in Congress and that the Democrats and their media cohorts have been all too willing to ignore. Uh, but now I think it's coming, coming around. So I, I want to just – just a big picture here, what happened. Hunter Biden was supposed to go to court. He was supposed to go in with his lawyers. His lawyers had had conversations with the DOJ lawyers, and the whole thing was supposed to be on script. Now, what do I mean by this? As we understood it, the way it was reported, the way we all reacted to it, and everybody said this was going to be how it was, including, by the way, the so-called uh, window dressing Trump appointee uh, U.S. attorney for the District of, of Delaware that he and and Biden's people all agreed on the facts and and the essential uh, what they were trying to do here is take the two criminal well there are other criminals but two criminal charges fundamentally tax evasion and the gun charge and also there's the drug issue and say we're going to do a non-prosecution agreement. We're going to, we're not going to prosecute. We're going to do a plea deal on these. You're going to plead guilty to two or three misdemeanor charges and it's done. And it would cap any future liability, essentially, right? Giving Hunter Biden immunity on all of the foreign influence peddling stuff because that's where, that's the thing that the, that the Biden team is absolutely desperate to have buried deep as possibly could be. Now, there's something else going on. So on one hand, they wanted to bury everything with with, with Hunter Biden and his uh, dubious efforts to raise money from foreign entities uh, using the influence that his father had when he was vice president. And you've got this criminal case against Hunter Biden, but then you also have the Republicans in Congress who every week are hauling different 
folks from the Department of Justice and the FBI up and asking them for documents, asking them to answer questions about the investigation. And what do all these people say? As a blocking or, or, or defense mechanism from having to answer questions, they all say the same thing, which is, well, we can't give you this document, Congressman. We can't answer that question, Congressman, because this is an ongoing investigation. Remember, that's been going on for weeks and is continued up into the present. So the judge here in this particular case, when she's reviewing the plea deal yesterday, goes and looks at the plea deal and goes, well, this, this language is vague. It's a very, this is, this is vague. Explain to me what this guilty plea is for and what kind of immunity is expected by the defendant who's making the plea. Talking about Hunter Biden here. And... Here's where the lawyers started to step all over themselves, right? The prosecution didn't want to say, and in fact did not say, that any investigation into Hunter Biden was over. Because if they said that, it would contradict what every DOJ and law enforcement, federal law enforcement official has said in his or her testimony on the Hill. They can't go and under oath, swear to Congress that, you know, we're still investigating, can't hand you that document, sorry. And then turn around and in a, uh, in a courtroom, tell a federal judge, we lawyers, we have a, a duty of, of honesty and integrity before the court. Don't laugh, but we do. They can't send, then say the office, oh yes, no further investigations here, it's a done deal. Uh, the Department of Justice has nothing further with Mr. Biden, and this closes it all out. So the deal that – and and that's it. Now they were in a pickle, and the judge held them to it and said, well, okay, well, then we're just going to plea guilty to these very specific charges, and his – the defendant's liability is only cut off and capped as to these specific charges, leaving Hunter Biden exposed – to some more serious stuff. Now, what does that include? The most terrifying issue here is the foreign influence peddling scheme that would get looked at and investigated were Hunter Biden to be charged for acting as an unregistered foreign agent. Now, being an unregistered foreign agent, you, you, you know, there's a there's a criminal penalty that that follows with that. I think it's ten years in jail. Regardless, it's it's not insignificant. But that's not the real concern. The real concern is what influence was he peddling, right? What was it that he was? What was he selling? Who was he? You know who <laughs> who who was he representing? We know that based on financial records. We know that based on witness testimony, people who were involved in the deal, Devin Archer, uh, the various executives at these companies, including the head of Burisma, who has been on the record, who spoke to an FBI informant, who then uh, gave a very credible accounting of those conversations to the FBI that they've been sitting on since well before the 2020 election. But what was it that Hunter Biden was advising them on? Well, the only thing he had to give was access to his dad. He had no expertise. He had no 
uh, background in, in dealing with energy companies. He's not a particularly bright guy, even from people that know him well. So, so this it starts to be nakedly obvious that the president, then vice president of the United States, Joseph Biden, used his son as a vehicle by which to enrich himself and his family members. And the son that Joe Biden is quote-unquote standing by because he's an all-around awesome dad, you know, kind of dad that can't even acknowledge a grandchild, but let's not go there. Because he's this all-around great dad, he's standing by his son, but it's starting to stink. He can't just keep saying this is a private matter. In fact, and I'll get into it here and take a quick break, because the, even the, now the mainstream, it's starting to hit the fan. If there was an inflection point, if there was a moment when all of this began to turn, it was yesterday. Because today the tone is radically different. I will explain here in a moment on that. I'll give you some examples. But I, I have to say, this, um, this, is, this is a mess, and it, it, it was all supposed to have been sanitized and done and over with. And the number one reason, lest any of you Republicans out there think that the Congress isn't doing jack diddly squat, mark my words, if it were not for the Republicans right now in the House of Representatives, if it hadn't been for the, well, if it hadn't been for a lot of things, it hadn't been for the, for the midterm election, if it weren't for a few Republican seats being, uh, or Democrat seats being turned Republican, uh, even though it wasn't much of a wave, it was just enough to make a difference. The consequence of this investigation that the Republicans are running is a lot more accountability than Team Biden expected to have on the record at this point in time. They, they were absolutely banking on just kind of sliding in on this. So his lawyer better rip a few more uh, puffs of the bong because – He's, he's, um, he's going to need some help coming out of this. No doubt, no doubt, Team Biden is absolutely furious with their lawyers, and they're starting to sense that people within the Department of, of, of Justice is, are turning on them in just a very slight way. Next up, of course, will be the media. Tell you what I mean when we return. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show is brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, that's me, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show. You remember the text found on the Hunter Biden laptop from hell to his daughter? It was kind of complaining, whiny daughter to his uh, text to his daughter, Naomi. Here's, let me refresh your memory. <laughs> this is so good. This is it's going to hang all of them. Quote, I hope now this is this is Hunter Biden texting Naomi, his daughter. I hope you all can do what I did 
and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. Hunter Biden complained to his daughter, Naomi. This is in January of 2019. It's really hard, but don't worry. And here comes the best part, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, who's Pop? Joe Biden, the big guy. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Close quote. Wow. Crazy enough, some of the financial documents that have been uncovered by the Republicans show approximately half of money brought in, then diverted to accounts close to the then Vice President of the United States. See how this gets ugly fast? Now, part of why this plea deal fell apart is that the U.S. judge here in this case, uh, who is a Trump appointee, uh, she is her name is Mary Ellen Nareka. She is a no-nonsense federal judge, and she was having none of the sneaky stuff that both Hunter Biden's lawyers were doing and also the DOJ was engaged in. Make no mistake, the DOJ was complicit in trying to hide a blanket immunity clause. And they put it, by the way, normally when, when you have a when you have any kind of immunity language in a plea deal, it's always in the it's in the plea agreement itself. But attached to the plea agreement was a diversion agreement related to the uh, to the gun charge. And that diversion agreement it buried in there was this blanket immunity thing. And Noreka, the judge here, lost her mind. She started asking, okay, so what, what is this here? What, what are you saying? Well, and then the script completely fell apart because what they thought they could do is simply run a fast one past the judge. Normally, if it was a Democrat judge, if they had drawn a, a nice, compliant, politically-minded judge who perhaps wants to be, I don't know, wants to be promoted to an appellate court on the bench, get a better gig. I mean, I'm serious. Who, who, who promotes federal judges? It's the president. So if it was a Democrat judge, could have said, well, this is my opportunity to score some points and send a backdoor smoke signal through a friend of a friend. Hey, I'm going to just get this thing done and keep me in mind. Next round, there's an opening. But this judge didn't do it. She smelled a rat, and she understood that the lawyers here were trying to paint her into a corner and hide the ball. So they, she, she, made them, she made them clean it up. And she ended up scolding, if you look at the transcript, she scolds both sides for trying to get her to rubber stamp the plea agreement without considering this blanket immunity that was awarded to Hunter Biden in the separate document, in the diversion agreement. Quote, you seem to be asking for the inclusion of the court in this agreement, yet you're telling me that I don't have any role in it. You're leaving provisions of the plea agreement out and putting them into an agreement that you're not asking me to sign off on. So the judge puts the prosecutor on the spot. And then that's the moment where he panics like a deer in the headlights and goes, well, yeah, the DOJ's investigation is ongoing because remember, it, it's even David Weiss himself, the so-called Trump-appointed 
U.S. attorney in Delaware, the so-called independent federal prosecutor. And I've been telling you guys forever it's BS. And here it is. The Trump guy is literally colluding with the Justice Department, with Merrick Garland, with the president of the United States to clean this thing up and give blanket immunity to the sun, all in an effort to save the big guy, the boss, the president of the United States. This is, uh, I, I don't even know how to, how to properly make you aware of how significant the events of the last 24 hours were. Unbelievable. So that's gets David Weiss gets put on the spot and said, oh, yeah, no, the investigation's ongoing because he himself at one point testified that it was. So the hunter could be susceptible to illegal lobbying charges, for example, not registering as a foreign agent. And so at that point, the judge goes, well, take it out because <laughs> why is it there? If you if you still got him under, if you're still investigating him and this is not a sum total dispositive agreement as to all prosecutions, this doesn't belong in there. It just belongs to the charges that he's playing, pleading guilty to. So a lot of a lot of prosecutors are coming forward, and they're just really unimpressed with what the what the D, uh, DOJ there, the U.S. attorney, the so-called Trump, the Trump U.S. attorney down there, the Trump prosecutor, right? So-called independent, Mr. Republican. See, it's nothing to see here, folks. Everything's fine. All of it was uh, just collusion. So is the mainstream media taking note? Is the mainstream taking note? Listen to this. This happened last night uh, on MSNBC, no less. Elise Jordan uh, talking, uh, this is MSNBC reports with Yasmin Vasugian. Listen. The reality is it's not a good story for Joe Biden. It might not be as bad as what other politicians and their families have done, but it still is not a good story. And so he is going to have to navigate this. And I really think that the deflection of it's a personal matter, we don't comment. I don't right. know how long we're going to get away with that. And I just I think it has been a bit of political malpractice to have to keep turning to that over and over and over. So what she's saying here is it's not a good look. Week ago, a week ago, by the way, MSNBC defending this thing outright, and she's saying it's political malpractice to keep saying that this is a private matter for people to stay out of it. So then the host uh, asks her guests about the White House, how they should handle the plea deal, right? Um, and, it's, and she asks about the plea deal. And Sue Sponte, all on her own, Elise Jordan brings up Joe Biden's crappy treatment of his granddaughter. Listen. So how do you think the president should have addressed things then? I think that, first of all, what's even a bigger issue than all of this is the emotional issue attached to President Biden's granddaughter that he doesn't acknowledge that Hunter Biden does not, you know, that he pays tax child support on after many legal battles. And that is a, it cuts against President Biden's image as a clean cut loving grandfather, which by all accounts is, but having one child out there who isn't acknowledged is going to come up a lot. Oh, you think? I'll tell you why she brought this. She thinks that she wanted to get off the story. She went, she, she couldn't defend anything that's been going on here with the plea deal. She realizes that the Bidens are crooked. This is MSNBC. So the, 
So the guest brings it up, talks about it, says it's a bad thing, and then is actually relieved to, she all on her own pivots to talking about the, the granddaughter issue because that's bad too, but of course doesn't provide a, a you know, politically an existential threat to Joe Biden. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings. Welcome back, friends. Sam Marjofsky here, bottom of the hour. I am the truth teller here on the What's Right Show parsing through this uh, crazy, uh, uh, these crazy events that have occurred the last 24 hours, uh, the the Hunter Biden plea deal absolutely coming undone. And as I mentioned earlier, the source of this really, if you trace it to its originating point, uh, is the Republican investigation in the House of Representatives, which has forced the various DOJ folks that have come in to testify or who have been called on to uh, deliver documents to the uh, House committees to find excuses for why not to do that. So what have they said? They've said, well, the investigation is ongoing. It's ongoing. It's just, you know, we can't do anything about this. We're here. And, uh, and, and so when they tried to sneak in a blanket, blanket, immunity clause into this plea deal with Hunter Biden, something that was being snuck in, by the way, by that independent Trump-appointed David Weiss, U.S. attorney in Delaware, that guy that's supposed to make everybody feel so confident that the investigation into Hunter Biden is being conducted in a completely above-board manner. That's why they hid, by the way, that's why they hid the blanket immunity in a separate part of the plea deal, not in the plea agreement itself, but in the diversion document that relates to the gun and drug charges. Okay, so so really, then the judge calls him out on it, says, well, there's a blanket immunity here. Are you investigating anything else related to Hunter Biden? What could they say? They, they can only answer as they've answered before on the record. So the prosecutors go, oh, well, <clears throat> Oh yeah, we are. I can't. I can't get into any details, but uh, yes, we are, Judge. At that point, game over. So, uh, what do I think? Okay, what do I think of this? What's the consequences of it? Well, I'm already. I'm already sensing a shift, and we're going to see more of that in the coming days. Uh, from from how this is how this is being responded to. But the real problem now is that if, in fact, there is a charge of of Hunter Biden not being registered as a foreign agent, all the tax stuff can come in because, well, it, the tax charges got, got I, as I understand, those charges have been disposed of. But, but no, all all of that's relevant to proving his income. So all the all, all fall, the money trail, the one that the Republicans have been working so hard to put together. That's all going to be relevant. Okay, so you received this money. Okay, what's the entity? Burisma. Okay, who's the owner? Okay, Ukrainian guy. Let's see. Is he a U.S. citizen? Nope. Where's the company based? Not in the U.S. And all of a sudden, you're going down this going down this rabbit hole, and you're proving the elements there 
are satisfied for this being the type of entity where you would have to register as a foreign agent. And never forget, they used this law to go after Trump's own campaign manager, Paul Manafort. People have spent time in prison for violating this, this rule. So this isn't this is a no-joke deal. But as part of that investigation into Hunter Biden, if it does ultimately lead to that, and I believe they're now the odds are about even that it will proceed to that point, then what happens? That leaves open the question, all right, so who was he representing, right? Okay, so he's representing some company. What was he providing them? What was the service? And the service was simply access to the vice president of the United States back then. Absolutely will all come out and be laid bare. Now, uh, this idea, right, the, the... do you now understand when I criticized Trump in the first months of his presidency when he folded, right? Well, it wasn't him. He, but he, his attorney general, when he put Jeff Sessions in, that was the stupidest move Trump ever made. Trump has been on defense ever since Jeff Sessions, his then attorney general, said, oh, I've got a conflict here. I'm out. I'm special counsel. That's the problem, by the way, with Republicans, particularly the Republicans like Jeff Sessions who've been in the swamp forever. They play by the rules. I can't, (laughs) by the rules. They, they are terrified. They are scared. They have, they, Look at Merrick Garland. He is going to he is going to hold out till the last possible second before he appoints a, a special counsel. Remember Barack Obama telling us, "Oh, my my administration was scandal free." Remember seeing that interview toward the end of his second term when he was leaving the White House and do, making the rounds in the media and, and giving these just vapid interviews about all the great things, the great memories. And of course, everybody was crawling up his rear end because Trump was coming in and. All the media were crying. They were in tears. I'm going to miss you. We're going to miss you, Barack. <laughs> and and he kept repeating that line. And I'm sitting here. I'm watching the TV. I'm banging my fists on the table. And I'm fast and furious. Benghazi. We had some inklings then of some of the shady stuff Joe Biden was doing. And now it's proven. It was in Barack Obama's administration. You're telling me Obama didn't know about any of this? Please. I was born at night, but not last night. What the heck? So, so, uh, th- this this is where it all uh, it's all going to get fun. But the point is, right? If Trump had had an attorney general like Merrick Garland or an attorney general like Eric Holder, he might still be president today. And so Trump. Uh, in a moment of being a nice guy, and, and, and remember Sessions was somebody, I think maybe the first person in the Senate who endorsed Trump, and Trump's a loyalty person, so he, he gave the gig to Sessions, and, and, and Sessions absolutely you know made a mess of the bed. Not going to use the profane expression, but you get the point. Now, the Foreign Intelligence Registration Act, Turley, last night uh, on Fox News, 
uh, Jonathan Turley, who is a constitutional law guy, a law professor, and I think a former U.S. attorney, he uh, had this to say about the plea deal and why the FARA Act, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, is a big deal vis-a-vis the Bidens. Listen to what he had to say. This was all supposed to be scripted. It was all supposed to be easy. And now it's off script and it's anything but easy because the judge just raised the one charge that the White House most fears, which is the chance that Hunter was a foreign agent. And if he was a foreign agent, the question is foreign agent for who and for what purpose? The president was that purpose. If you're influence peddling, it's influence over the president. So if you go for Farah, it's going to bring all of this stuff in, including some of these tax counts from 2014 to 2015 that the Department of Justice allowed to run, allowed the statute of limitations to expire. All of that can get bootstrapped into a Farah issue. And by the way, He addresses the issue of why the DOJ can't close the case and hide evidence, right, with an ongoing investigation excuse that they keep using over and over again. John Turley said this in the same interview. I think part of the problem is they really did want to cap out the case. They, the Department of Justice wanted to cap this uh, investigation, but they didn't want to say that it was now over. From the very beginning, the Hunter Biden team said that this is a closeout plea agreement, that there'd be nothing left to investigate. But the Department of Justice is telling Congress, we're not going to give you these witnesses or these documents because there's an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. You can't do both things when a judge is asking you to specifically address whether this is a closeout or a continuing investigation. Oh, that's it, right? And the fact that they keep going to Congress and saying, yep, yep, we open, open case, open case. I, and I don't know that there's actually an open case. My, my sense is, folks, that the, the case is, is open in name only, and it's, it's doing exactly what it's been doing at the Justice Department forever, is it's just sitting there, like a toxic pile of, of dung, and it's stinking the room up, but nobody wants to touch it with the 10-foot pole, so it just sits there, languishing, you know, somewhere on the seventh floor of, of, of the DOJ. <laughs> and there, but it's convenient as, as, a, as a reason to not turn over documents that they want to hold on to. Now, why are they, by the way, why are they holding on to these documents? Why are they holding back this information? Because that then has their complicity in it. And that's where this all gets even better. You know those little Russian nesting dolls, you know, little babushkas? And you, you, you know the colored dolls that come from Russia. And you open up the big, big doll and there's a slightly smaller one underneath, and then, you know, it keeps going down until you've got the, the core babushka, and there's no other babushkas beyond that, okay. So it's kind of like that here with these layers of, of criminal culpability. If you get at Hunter Biden, if you get at him, and he is subject to criminal investigation, it implicates Joe Biden. If you get into Joe Biden being implicated, then to what extent are you implicating the DOJ and the FBI? And now you have, right, that's, you're just going in layers of of Russian nesting dolls. And at some point there are, you're bringing in more and more people who have committed wrongdoing here. 
who've done dirty things in order to protect Joe, who's protecting his son in order to protect himself. And so the more you're, you're, I don't want to call this a vast criminal conspiracy because it's really actually a lot more basic than that. This is self-preservation. But it implicates a lot of people, and it explains not out of loyalty to Joe Biden, but out of their own self-preservation now, what started as, okay, we're just going to do a few things here to protect Hunter Biden. Joe's going to win the election. Yep, he won the election. Good thing. Okay, now everything's going to be okay. It kept getting worse, kept getting worse. Then the Republicans got elected. Then they started asking questions. Oh, we can't turn over any documents, can't do this. But the little bit that the Republicans are getting certainly suggests that there are problems and that the DOJ and the FBI has played, played you know, protection to uh, the, the Bidens. And so that's, I think, I think that's why you see this kind of complicity. I got to take a break, but I, I'm telling you, a lot of people's necks are going to be on the chopping block, and they're starting to realize it'll just it's just going to be interesting to see who blinks first. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk, 840 KXNT. This is the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, brought to you by our friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. I don't know. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, yeah, I'm going through this Hunter Biden thing here on the What's Right show. By the way, it's tough being the White House press secretary right now. Not just because she's wholly unqualified to do the job, but because now the questions are getting pretty, pretty difficult. And you have people who are not necessarily ideologically motivated, who are not you know radical right-wingers asking her tough questions. Phil Wegman. Uh, talking about the in-business versus talking about business language used in describing conversations between uh, Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. Listen to this exchange. Moments ago, you said that nothing has changed when you were asked about the president's previous remarks on his son's business dealings. But the language has, in fact, changed. So I just want to clear this up once and for all. The president has previously said that he has never discussed overseas business dealings with his son, but the White House now says that the president has never been in business with his son. So why the updated language? Which statement is true? Or is this semantics and they're both true? Uh, as I stated on Monday when I was asked this question multiple times, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed so on this. Nothing true. has changed on this. Uh, and so could ask me a million different ways uh, on this question. Nothing has changed. Okay, but something has because they're using different language. They used to say the president never discussed any overseas business dealings. And when I've played numerous times of the president saying that, said it during the campaign, said it when he was vice president, said it uh, as recently as last month. And now all of a sudden the stuff is coming out. Well, he was never in business with his son the denials are getting more specific. Now, today, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, asked at the press briefing uh, about the plea deal, uh, gets asked uh, about it, and uh, doesn't appear to really be that excited to talk about it. I wanted to ask about the president's reaction to the legal developments yesterday and with the initial plea deal for his son appearing to fall apart. So look, uh, 
I'm really not going to say anything more than what I shared yesterday. This is a personal matter uh, for Hunter Biden. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a personal issue. And uh, as you know, this has been done in an independent way uh, by the Department of Justice. It has been led by a Trump-appointed prosecutor. And I'm just not going to comment beyond, uh, beyond what I said uh, yesterday. And um, of course, and we have said this multiple times, the President and the First Lady, they love their son. And they support, they support him as he is uh, working to rebuild his life. I'm just not going to say anything beyond that. Ah. Uh. Not going to say anything beyond. They're working to rebuild their life. Good luck with that. Now, the don't worry. The View is still holding strong. They, this was today. Alyssa Farah Griffin, who is, I guess, they're kind of their fake conservative on The View, said that uh, still defending Joe Biden. Said there's no reason to impeach based on any of this. This is what uh, she said again. This was today after all this stuff is coming out. Crazy. Listen to this. Wait, I don't have the clip loaded. This is, uh, well, get it. I'll get it here in a second. She continues. Stop talking about Hunter. Stop talking about him. Listen. Here's my thing with Hunter yeah. Biden. I do think there's probably corruption. I do think he traded off of his name. But to my friends in the GOP, we can't make this our whole personality. Like, we've Too got late. a guy, we've Too got a guy late. running for president who's likely to be the nominee who's soon to be thrice indicted. How are you going to argue that the, the actions of the president's son, who is not elected, he's not appointed to office, is somehow more important? Wait, I thought nobody was above the law. Don't bring, this isn't. You can't equivocate and say, well, look at, look at Trump. He's thrice indicted. If, if, if the Bidens had the kind of legal and prosecutorial scrutiny that Trump has been subjected to, I'm guessing there would be more than three indictments based on what I have seen. And I'm telling you that as a lawyer. Okay? So don't bring Trump into it. That's BS. Now, here's the clip I didn't have a second ago. This is, again, the same lady on The View complaining that she's getting dragged for saying that, that, that impeachment's not appropriate. I got just dragged by the right wing yesterday for saying there is no reason to impeach Joe Biden, and yeah. I stand by those remarks. If someone can come forward and say, here is the evidence yes. that Joe Biden somehow profited off of Hunter Biden's misgivings, 100%, I have not seen that. And my advice to House Republicans is put up or shut up on this. Make it abundantly on clear everything. where a Democrat can't even look yeah. away because they see the corruption there and I've not seen that and by the way I don't support Joe Biden I'm no. not voting for him but and, and I shouldn't be listen. impeached oh I'm not supporting Joe oh don't get I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a Democrat this I mean I'm just okay this is the lowest this is the lowest of the low right when you're talking about the view and, and whatnot but I, still I'm bring, I'm bringing this up because it's a temperature measurement and today's the 27th of July. We'll see what the 27th of August, the, the view sounds like. And you're thinking to yourself, it's 30 days, Sam. You think a lot can change in 30 days. Yes, and this is why I continue to tell you that when, when people ask me, you know what the favorite person, the favorite thing that, that people seem to ask me right now that are my friends and others, favorite thing. They ask me the question, so what do you, you think is going to happen? What's happening in the primary? Who's, who's it going to be, Sam? They'll just – by the way, some of my friends will say it without even prefacing it. It's like, okay, what's it going to – what's so, – so 2024, who's it going to be? I don't – I don't know. I, I don't know. I, how am I supposed to answer that? Anyone who can answer that is, is just you know making a guess. 
based on the best available evidence. And remember, this what people forget, and we're in Vegas here, so we ought to know this, percentage chances. Percentage chances doesn't guarantee an outcome. If somebody is 60%, you know, likely to um, to win, that's also the, the same exact uh, reciprocal truth is that he's 40% likely to, to not win. And that's a significant number. So nobody can predict what happened, and, and it's changing. These things are changing moment to moment. All right, I'm going to get to the aliens. Yes, UFOs, they were on the hill. Not Well, not the UFOs themselves. Actually, some of these senators and congressmen are, are uh, so old, they're like the walking dead. They might as well be extraterrestrials. I'll tell you what happened yesterday if you missed it. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Be back in just a few minutes. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Some of you were alarmed when a couple months ago I mentioned that I'm starting to think that these uh, this this talk of UFOs is possibly real. And I think I've gone for most of my life assuming it was a bit of a hoax and that the people that went around chasing aliens were sort of tinfoil conspiracy theorists. But 2023, I'll tell you, last few years has been really good for the conspiracy theorist crowd. Because as it turns out, number of uh, conspiracy theories, or so-called conspiracy theories, end up being true. And this is a, a problem, by the way, when the government tries to restrict information and suppress true uh, uh, facts from being expressed. And so uh, I, I think here, you know, there's, there's starting to be a, a little bit of a concern on my part that there's people overhead. Nancy Mace... Uh, Republican South Carolina at a House Oversight Committee hearing today was questioning yesterday, excuse me, was questioning UFO whistleblower David Grush under oath. Listen to what um, he uh, she says to him and what he responds uh, with. It is fascinating. You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? It's something I can't discuss in public setting. Oh, okay. So, um, he's, we, it's not a no. <laughs> It continues. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos eyewitness like how would that be determined the specific documentation i would have to talk to you in a skiff about talk to you in a skiff meaning meaning in a secure part of the of the um the sensitive compartmented information facility these are rooms that are 
uh, specifically designed uh, to be protected from eavesdropping, etc. And this is where members of Congress and other people in the government are given uh, briefings of, of sensitive uh, information. So I don't know what that sounds like to me, to you, but to me, I think it, uh, it, it seems to be fairly credible. Now, the real UFO sighting that happened yesterday on the Capitol was Mitch McConnell, who was holding a press conference, and he's talking, and he basically just stops talking. And I was watching this. I had my TV going when this was happening. I watched it happen live. This was a, a frightening moment. Listen. This week has been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of... Uh, Okay, Mitch. And he just he just froze. Anything else you want to say? Or should I just go back to your office? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say anything else to the press? Yeah, so Mitch McConnell's eighty-one years old. Eighty-one years old. Senate minority leader. He's been in the Senate for uh I mean again since uh, almost the Triassic period. He is as swamp as it gets. Now, I'm not... There's some things that Mitch McConnell has done well. He's gotten justices through that we've needed as Republicans. I, 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 I applaud his efforts in that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say the same thing for Mitch McConnell that I'm saying for Diane Feinstein and I'm saying for Joe Biden. These geriatric dinosaurs have got to be sent out to pasture. It's like time to retire. It's not well. Feinstein the other day couldn't even cast her own vote. Her 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 aides are basically telling her how to vote. Listen to this exchange. Senator Feinstein, she has called out um, for a vote. Say, uh, pardon me. Aye. Yeah. Uh, Let me play that again. Hold on, because I don't want to talk over it. But I'm just letting you know this is her aide in the background and radio, not TV, so you can't see this. But you, her aide is standing behind her, telling her, "Say I." And the microphone picks it up. Say I. So who's actually voting? I mean, the, the lunatics in California, uh, you know, and you know who you are. I say this as Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. Uh, they, they vote for these Democrats. They vote for Feinstein. They voted for her X number of times. She's been there also for, I think, the better part of 50 years. Uh, but people didn't vote for her aide to vote. They voted for Feinstein to vote. Aides don't vote. Members of Congress vote. Senators vote. Listen. Senator Feinstein. Um, I say, uh, pardon me? I, yeah. Uh, to say. I, I would like to support a yes vote on this. Um, it provides $823 billion. That's an increase of $26 billion for the Department of Defense. And it funds priorities... Submitted. Yeah, just say aye. Okay, just. It's a vote. Aye. (laughs) Thank you. It's a vote. It's literally just a vote. But here's the problem is she's not competent to make the vote. And the Democrats that control the Senate won't get rid of her. Ditto to Fetterman, right? Fetterman's the same thing. Fetterman's, you know, what was. Remember his uh, June presser? I think it's the last time he had a longer press conference about the I-95 reconstruction in Philadelphia. Remember this? 
And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. I'm I'm sure. Did you follow that? (laughs) But again, they swore to us up and down when Fetterman was running that he was fine. Same way they swore to us that Biden was fine. Never hiding in his basement. Trump is crisscrossing the country, you know, (laughs) traveling to doing rallies in three different cities in one day. Don't I mean, see, this is where I I disagree uh, with this idea of some sort of an artificial age limit. Because it's, it's not just about age per se. It's about competency. Fetterman's not an old guy. He just had a stroke. And I am very sympathetic to people who suffer, suffer strokes. I just, they don't have any business being in the Senate. Because this guy's you know, got the core competency of a, of a legume. And as a result, the people making the vote and the decisions in his office are not him or his staff. So he's a fully managed vessel of the Democratic Party, which is why the Democratic Party and their media cohorts all sought to protect him as a candidate. They needed the bodies in the Senate. They needed the votes. They needed the majority. And they also are perfectly happy to have somebody that they can control so long as he allows himself to be controlled, which it seems he is. But it's... You know, it's it's crazy. Here's a montage of some of Joe Biden's cognitive uh, problems. It's not good. You're familiar with some of them, and some of these are new. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot... Him, uh, foot, foot excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with them. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political, or or, maybe precise, not and or. The first frost, you know what was happening. You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And to get hot, I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. My physical as well as my mental fitness. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then then you know that's one thing. <laughs> it's not funny. I mean, I'm laughing. I'm laughing not at Joe Biden. I'm laughing at the media. For trying, I mean, to for lying to us that this guy's okay. Now they're doing it. They're they're starting to turn on some of the stuff. But here's my here is my point. Uh, a greater point with all this is that during the election, when it was about beating Trump, they had no problems lying. And I think three or four of these utterances of his occurred before he even became president. And so why is it important to talk about Biden's cognitive abilities? It's not to ridicule Biden, but certainly to make sure he doesn't get reelected because this would be a disaster. 
But it goes to show us it is self-evident that he is unwell. And if you are the kind of American that can see something with your own two eyes and then be lied to by the media and still take what they tell you as truth, then you're more fit for the Soviet Union than you are for a free a country where you get a vote and a choice in a representative democracy. That is a fact. So, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, taking a quick break here. I will be back. What do you think? Should there be a cutoff for politicians? An age? I don't know. We'll discuss. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment. Welcome back, friends. Sam Burchofsky here, the voice of reason in these troubled times. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve a lawyer that's going to be straight up with you, that's going to be fair, honest, trustworthy, and will do what's right. 702-820-1234. So the question of the age cutoff on politicians, let me first talk about a very prominent age cutoff that uh, I grew up uh, knowing a little bit about because I had a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine growing up. His dad was an airline pilot, and he, he flew for uh, for uh, Air Cal first and then, then became a captain at, um, at American. And, uh, and it was, you know, and I think it's still in place now. 60 was the retirement age, and it was a forced deal. I think now it's maybe gone up to 67 um or there's a there's a thought of maybe raising it i can't remember exactly off the top of my head but 60 i mean 60 and you're done and it was an arbitrary number now some people are half dead at 60 because they've got health problems other people are just getting started at 60 some people look better and are healthier more active at 60 than they were at 45 because they are eating better working out minding their health etc so I don't know if I'm necessarily for a firm age. It just seems kind of kind of arbitrary. But here is, well, I just want to say there's there's talk about this. One Republican candidate in particular is uh, is has has been on the record about this, and that's Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley has has sought to you know to put in. Um, you know, competency tests for uh, politicians over the age of 75. And here was the exchange, by the way, when when Jill Biden gets asked about this. Uh, I mean, this just was absolutely fabulous because uh, this, it was supposed to come out this way. This was back in March, CNN primetime, uh, Jill Biden abroad with Arlette Sainz. Signs, excuse me. Nikki Haley, one of the Republican candidates, is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. Well, you know what would happen to Jill's lifestyle that she really enjoys, flying the big plane around and being first lady and celebrity and whatnot. I mean, you know, I mean... It would all go away if her husband was declared incompetent. By the way, um, mental competence. Here's the problem with this. Just I need to I need to point this out to Nikki Haley. Uh, it would require a constitutional change because the qualifications for president are set in the Constitution. 
And so that that's what would have to happen. You couldn't just pass a bill in Congress, okay? I think it would get uh, very quickly shot down in, 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 in the Supreme Court, uh, very quickly. But the reason Joe Biden doesn't want to – oh, we haven't even discussed it. Well, because – I, I mean, one of the most heartbreaking things here is, is that I'd, I, I would like to think that my wife, if I were as unwell as Joe Biden, I decided to go run, you know, for mayor of Las Vegas or whatever, president of the United States, that, that my wife would go, honey, Sam, no, we're not doing it. You're not okay. But the fact that Bill, Jill Biden signed off on this and, and allowed the spectacle to unfold, and, and even during the campaign, the primaries, when he was faltering, it is a, I think, an offensively gross display of, of, one's, of her personal ambition triumphing over her duties of loyalty and care that she owes Joe Biden as his wife. So to me, in this entire Biden spectacle, she's actually one of the more despicable actors in it. But you understand why they're all getting rich off of him. They're all having a great life because he's president and because he was vice president. They got used to it. What would Joe Biden be without the presidency? Nothing. He's got jack crap. And he's got bumbling hunter boy, you know, who's, I think, only real talent in life is handling crack pipes uh you know how's he gonna make money painting paintings incidentally we're finding out now that million and a half dollars or so that were spent on hunter biden's paintings were really uh, being purchased by a top donors democratic party donors and i've i told you folks this now they're asking the question but i've been saying this for months now I told you the best way, the easiest way to funnel money uh, into a slush fund of a political candidate is to have somebody start painting paintings. What's a, what's an art? What's a piece of art worth? It's tremendously subjective. Trust me, I'm an art collector. I can tell you that. Very subjective. So this is great. Hunter Biden splashes some paint on a canvas and and gets up there and, and gives a little talk about it. People are swilling their fine wines and eating cheese cubes and going, oh. Oh, and he says, okay, this piece is worth $400,000. You just put a, put a price tag on it. Are people buying it because it's, it's great art or because Hunter Biden's got a great gallerist? I mean, he does have a decent gallerist. Again, another politically active guy. No, the real story is that this is a way that Hunter Biden can get money from people without it being considered as per, quid pro quo and obvious as the way they were getting money when, when Joe Biden was vice president. And having had their hand caught in a cookie jar, they come, came up with another scheme. So yeah, what's Hunter Biden, what's this family good at? They're good at grifting. And it's so funny that these are the people that did nothing but malign Trump's business dealings and Trump's family members being involved in his business and all this stuff. You know what? At least it was Trump's money. At least it was Trump's dad's money. At least this was money that Trump obtained through loans. I at least, I don't even know, I, the list could go on and on. At least, at least, at least. It's not comparable. So the same people that attacked 
a guy who inherited wealth and made some money on his own and did some built some cool buildings and did some stuff in his life, made some smart deals. Can't deny Trump that. These same people that criticized it, talked nasty about it, are now exposed to the world as just a bunch of, you know, carnival barking grifters. It's it's vile. All right. We got to take a break. By the way, yeah, so there's a provision to raise the retirement age for pilots from uh, 65 to 67. So it passed earlier this month. So 67 now is the new retirement age for pilots. But president, you know, you can be president until you until you keel over. And it will require a constitutional change uh, to make any make any modification to that. All right, Sam Rajovsky, you're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Don't go anywhere. Be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Can I, folks, can I share a funny story with you here real fast? Um, just just a little humorous aside about my night yesterday. Sam Rajovsky here, by the way, host of the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism on News Talk 840 KXNT. We do this here Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., so this is our time together. But last night, last night I went over to Delilah for dinner. Uh, my partner, law partner Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law, we went and we took uh, some friends of ours that were visiting here in town, some lawyers from L.A., now, one of the lawyers so happened to be here in Vegas with his cousin. I have to be careful about how I present this. This cousin is a nice guy, an older gentleman. And I'm, I am got to this point in the middle of the opening of the dinner because it wasn't even, we, hadn't even, we haven't even ordered yet. When <laughs> some, some very strange questions were asked. So, uh, well, yeah, one of my one of my guests at our table at Delilah. And by the way, Delilah, for those of you who know, it's a, a beautiful restaurant at the Wynn Hotel and Resort on the Strip uh, here in Las Vegas. It's a, a, a supper club type restaurant where there is live music, uh, oftentimes really great music. And last night was no exception. Food was phenomenal. Uh, they have uh, the chef there is, is incredible. They have one of my favorite uh, meals actually here in Las Vegas, which is they, they do an incredible beef Wellington, the best in the city, and frankly, the best I've had anywhere, anywhere. And I've ordered it for Thomas Keller restaurants in Miami, and I, I've tried New York, and, and I've not had a better beef Wellington than the one right here in Las Vegas. But that's not my story. My story is that this gentleman that I'd never met before that gets kind of adds himself to the group here as a consequence of being in town because his cousin is part of our group. He um, sits down, and and the, the waitress comes up and asks him if any of us have, well, not him, all of us, asks him if we have any food allergies. Really common question. If you've eaten out at any point in the last 20 years, you have got, you must have heard somebody ask this question of you, right? So this guy looks at the waitress, and he goes, uh, 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 I have an allergy to alcohol. And then proceeds to tell a, a long story about how he got a COVID shot. In fact, it was the, his, his booster 
shot. And after the booster shot, he started having violent reactions to alcohol. And okay, so we listened to the story, and I'm obviously fascinated because curious about these things. But poor gal is standing there waiting to take the order. She wants to find out if we have any food allergies. So finally, she kind of gently nudges and says, no, but any food allergies at the table? To which she asks, why do you ask? <laughs> That's a new one. I have never been with somebody who asks the waiter or waitress, why are you asking me if there are food allergies? And then she kind of looks confused at him and then he goes, is it because I'm old? Now, if he were being funny, if it were a joke, I mean, that would be fine. But he, he, he's, I mean, he's not that old. Uh, he certainly is more cogent and with it than the president of the United States. So th this, <laughs> our, our, our poor, long-suffering waitress, I'm so sorry. It was the most, <laughs> it just went, it went, it went kind of downhill from there. Only saved by three bottles of wine. And an Uber ride home where I fell asleep. So that was my night. Uh, and I, uh, it was great great to see old friends and, and have some things to laugh about the next day. Ashley and I, I got into work this morning and <laughs> we start talking about it. And we're, well, I guess you have to be there. But he, you know how sometimes you take somebody out for a meal. And it, I don't know, maybe it's because of COVID. Like a lot of people have just not been out in a while. But I just, I eat out you know, for work and whatnot. I, and I love food and I love Las Vegas food. So I'm always eating out. I, it would be rare for me not to eat out in a, in a, in a given day, right? Sometimes on the weekend, I'll, there'll be a full day where I'm home and I eat only at the house. And, you know, I probably could use more of my waistline, uh, probably could uh, benefit from some, uh, some, some more modest home cooking. Uh, for uh, for a month or two, but uh, nonetheless, uh, some people just no, don't get out, and and maybe maybe I mean maybe some of you do this too, but 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 I think everybody's aware that they ask if there are food allergies, and they understand that it's because of pesky, terrible, horrible personal injury lawyers that are always suing restaurants over um, allergic attacks. I'm kidding about that. Second, no, they really just don't want you keeling over and and having a you know having having a a fit in the middle of a restaurant. Bad for business. Okay. All right. Oh, I see some emails. Oh, by the way, email sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. S-A-M-A-N-D-A-S-H-L-A-W.com. Um, yeah, so I see some emails about, well, about the Hunter Biden, the artist. Hunter Biden, the artist. Apparently, some of you think that I'm exaggerating this. That he's not using his art to, to get money funneled to him and to his family. Well, there's a story that is developing in L.A. There's a prominent real estate investor, Elizabeth Hirsch Neftali. She's a real estate investor and a Democratic Party donor. She's just named to a commission here in the U.S. by, guess who? The president. And it turns out she's one of the buyers of paintings by Hunter Biden. How much did she pay? $1.3 million. Naftali was picked then by President Joe Biden to serve on a prestigious preservation commission and then bought an artwork from the son of the nation's commander-in-chief. This according to the New York Post. So this is, 
I guess a person who is a friend of the Bidens buys artwork from Hunter and ends up being named to a presidential commission by orders of dad. So you see, this is, I mean, can you, can you prove that this is exactly how it all went down? Some of the timing isn't exactly clear, but no, it, it certainly doesn't look good. The largest chunk, by the way, sorry, I got this wrong. The 1.3 million is total. The, the largest single purchaser of Hunter's art sales is uh, a mystery buyer. And she scooped up, not a she, we don't know who it is, 11 artworks for a total of $875,000. Goes in, buys some artwork, funnels some money to, to, to Biden and get, uh, Hunter Biden, and I don't know, what did, what did that person get for that? Now, when Corrine Jean-Pierre is asked about this high-profile Democratic donor friend who's buying a bunch of Hunter Biden's art and then gets named to a commission, right? When she gets asked about it, what, is, what does Corrine Jean-Pierre say? And that's, I, I, she just kind of says, I, 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 don't, I don't know anything. I wanted to ask about the president's reaction to the legal developments yesterday. Excuse me. I wanted to ask, though, about uh, Elizabeth Naftali. She's made more than a dozen visits here to the White House uh, and met with some of the president's uh, most senior advisors. Can you tell us a little bit more about those visits, why she was here? I would have to look into that. I've not, I've not been tracking the, these visits that you're uh, mentioning to me. Okay. So, again, Real Clear Politics reporter Phil Wegman asks yesterday about these visits, and uh, they, there's no real answer there from the White House. Now, could, could it be right that Corinne Jean-Pierre doesn't know that she – news to her? But well, I don't know. This person's parading through the White House, making lots of visits, been a, 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 just appointed to a commission, just bought a lot of Hunter Biden art. And the spokesperson for the uh, Biden administration for the White House has no, no comment. She doesn't know what's going on. These people are such scam artists. So, so yeah, there are folks, I'll tell you, in the art world, it is a, a new artist. And I, my office is in the arts district in, in downtown Las Vegas. Let me tell you, I, I interact with a few artists. A, a brand new artist that is making their first debut does not sell their paintings for, you know, eighty to $300,000 per painting. That is, that is a needle in the haystack. That is a lightning strike uh, and then followed by a second lightning strike on the same person that's moving. That is how unlikely that is. So people more than likely buying this stuff in order to find – in order to be able to funnel money and do favors for the Bidens without, you know, it, it, being, it being criminal. And as a lawyer, I'll ask, the question is, can you do this and get away with it? More likely than not, it's actually a quite, a, quite a smart scheme. Now, knowing Biden and how stupid he is, he's probably got text messages and different pieces of, of evidence that, that are incriminating that he's you know, storing away somewhere. And, and when his next crack binge hints, you know, they may become public knowledge. Hopefully, maybe he's learned his lesson from the first time. Around. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. 
when it comes to these geriatric politicians that are uh, losing their marbles, one thing that we can do without constitutional modifications is have the parties, respectively, uh, test their candidates as part of a requirement to get the nomination. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Great to be with you folks. Always enjoy our two hours together every day. Yeah, uh, by the way, the Republican Party has an opportunity here. Nikki Haley might be onto something. All right, you know, as part of our party, we're not the party of Joe Biden. We, you know, we've got a guy who's, Trump is not a spring chicken, but boy, he's got a lot of energy, seems to be, have a high level of mental acuity and awareness. Very with it, sharp as a tack. So this isn't about age, it's about qualifications, your ability. And so the Republican Party could say, yeah, if we're going to have a, a, a candidate, uh, if you want to be a candidate in the Republican Party, we'll make it a requirement for you to uh, submit to a test if you're over 60 years old or whatever the age is. It's interesting. That's food for thought. All right. I, um, I, I know, listen, Trump, his legal team today met with federal prosecutors. We still don't have an indictment. Uh, on the January 6th charges, uh, mind you, there's also the Fulton County, Georgia case. I don't want to, I don't want any of us to forget about that. That's the, the, the grand jury's meeting. Apparently, the first two weeks of August are blocked off. They've uh, in, insisted that courts go dark, meaning that they clear their court uh, schedules in the courthouse. Uh, so they want everything locked down. There, the, I, th- you know, it seems that she's preparing for charges. The prosecutor there. And this has to do with the with the electors there that uh, you know Trump was is putting forward his alternate state of uh, slate of electors, and it really comes down to that phone call where he says, "Find me eleven hundred whatever votes." Now it's astounding to me that could very well end up being that there was fraud in Georgia, and how Trump meant that call. This is by the way the defense of it. Trump meant the call not. Hey, let's come up with fake votes because that's what the Democrats do. Trump wanted to say, show me my votes. Where are my votes? And that's, of course, going to be their defense. And, you know, we'll see, you know, how this, how that case proceeds. But there's a lot going on here with Trump. There's, there's a lot of stuff swirling around. So Trump met with federal prosecutors. We, we don't know what's, what's going what's gonna to happen. One thing I, I, I just got to tell you, I think. I don't know what the charges are going to be in the new federal uh, indictment that is likely coming down against Trump. I also am not entirely certain whether it's going to be filed in D.C. or joined together with the case presently against Trump in Miami and Florida. But one of the charges that potentially could come forward in this expected second federal indictment is on a charge that's uh, it's in the 18 the U.S. Code uh, 1512C, and it uh, and it's basically a, a charge of corruptly obstructing an official proceeding, and it was used against the rioters that entered the Capitol building, uh, and it was and, and by the way a number of appeals have raised the question of whether the section actually applies to them, because this. I don't want to get too technical here, but basically Congress uh, made this particular section of the criminal code law in response to Enron. And it was in response it was in response to all those documents that Enron and Arthur Anderson, their CPAs, uh, corruptly destroyed. Okay, so it was it was really all about record document uh, preservation. 
preventing the destruction, mutilation, or concealment of those kind of documents, but also um, maintaining integrity of official proceedings was added in there. And, and it's, this law hasn't really been tested. And a high-profile case like Trump's would test this law and might potentially create a bit of a problem. Because one of the appeals that one of the J6 protesters put forward, uh, the, the, the court that over her, what was it, was it the 13th Circuit, it was the 9th Circuit? I don't know which court ultimately heard it. I think it was the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. That's who, okay. They, they said, they, they, didn't, they went with a, with a more broader uh, reading of the law. But I, I don't know if they've got enough to, to, to really charge Trump. I think this might be an, an, an overshot by Jack Smith. And maybe the reason that it hasn't come down yet, even though, remember, a week, what is it now, a week and a half ago, Trump was given three days or two days to respond and present himself to the grand jury. And essentially, at that point, it's the end, and, and it's voted on and determined and signed, sealed, and delivered and done, and then, then, you know, then there's the indictment is, is, is filed, and a true bill is issued, and, and you have an arrest warrant, and that's, you know, you get, you get the official charging. And so that has not happened yet. So something's hanging this up, and it could just be, you know, it could be paperwork or timing issues on, on, uh, in the prosecutors or the, uh, with the grand jury. But I, I also think that this, this may just end up being the weaker, certainly the weaker case. And that's, that's, that's obviously good news for Trump and bad news for the prosecutors bringing it. I have no, yeah, of course, there's, the, the Georgia case is a problem because it's like the New York case. The people in Georgia, in Atlanta there, you know, people that are going to be on that jury are very liberal. Just like the, it's, it's, it's the same, same thing with the Alvin Bragg case in, in Manhattan. Those are, the, the, those are very liberal people that are going to be, populate that jury. You could, they, whatever charge gets put up, trust me, people are not going to vote to, to, um, to, to free Donald Trump. So that's the, the I, that's a case to watch. Keep your, keep your, um, you know, keep your, keep your eyes on it, but. I don't want to get so distracted with all the Biden stuff that I'm, I'm neglecting what's going on with, with Donald Trump. I just – there hasn't been a lot of news, and I, I certainly didn't want to ha- go too, too much longer without getting at it. Now, I, I also have to mention this. Speaking of just uh, a sad turn of events, so Bud Light has laid off hundreds of U.S. workers. The uh, Wall Street Journal is reporting the sad news. Um, it's not right, and it's not uh, unexpected, right? This is not uh, a big surprise, uh, but we apparently now um, know that. Let's see here: hundreds of workers at U.S. offices after months of slumping sales at Bud Light, world's lo- largest brewer, who also sells. And this is in Anheuser InBev. InBev is a Belgian company who bought Anheuser Busch. Anheuser Busch owns Bud Light. And they also sell, sell like Stella Artois, for example, and other beers. But the cuts would affect about a little less than 2% of roughly its 18,000 U.S. employees. Still, people have lost their jobs all because a high-minded, left-wing, loony-bin millennial Person decided that she was as the VP of the brand was going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. 
we're going to partner with this new, cool, trans influencer, Dylan Mulvaney. Yay! And absolutely buried the company, and the impact on lives has been real. And the reason, you know, I, I, I th- look, I, I think it's go- It's a sadly, it's an instructive event that I hope will influence companies in the U.S. to just get back to the basics. Don't beat us over the head with the woke stuff. Don't give us politics in your ads. Don't push your lifestyle. Just you know, just let's let's get back to let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to family-friendly. Let's get back to just being reasonable. So those are those – but obviously, what do you tell people who have, um, who have been laid off? And I, I think of all the people who deliver uh, Bud Light, who are distributors, who are reliant on this product churning and have had entire business models based on it. Even right here in Las Vegas, you know, we have a, a major deal with Bud Light – uh, at, at T-Mobile uh, Arena, and I can tell you that it's it, it's this was not good for the arena this this past hockey season. <laughs> I can promise you that. Okay, folks, we got to go. You know where to find us on the podcast if you missed any portion of the program. Wherever you go and find your podcast, whether it's on the Odyssey app or Apple or Spotify, look up What's Right Show. You'll see my picture there. Presto, click to subscribe. I will be back tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. Well, enjoy a day off and I'll see you tomorrow.